Hello and welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Violet Luca, and I'm the digital producer. The May-June issue is on physical and digital newsstands with a dreaming Juliette Binoche on the cover. But don't let this image mislead you. Claire Denis' Let the Sunshine In isn't a somnambulant experience by any stretch. Instead, the film is just as quietly relentless as its main character, excising anything unnecessary. In this episode, I was joined by Film Comment Editor-in-Chief Nicholas Rapold to discuss the film. In the second half, we have a post-screening Q&A between Nick and Claire Denis, following a special sneak preview of the film that was presented by Film Comment and IFC Films. Where do we begin with this very tricky, sly film that Claire Denis has made? Because I think it's probably one of her, it's very oblique, but also it's very clear what this is about. What's it about? Well, it's about Juliette Binoche, his character's name is Isabel, who is a middle-aged divorced woman who is uh, also an abstract artist. And it's just sort of her going around being a train wreck, but without the judgment, really. Or is there judgment? You know, you just sort of follow her, go from one lover to the next. Some are clear douchebags. A banker guy asks for uh, gluten-free olives <laughs> in a bar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he doesn't like the glass that he's being poured whiskey in. He's Yeah, and then, um, you know, she gets involved, like, with a self-involved actor. She... She goes sort of all around Paris, flirting with guys, getting into relationships, ending relationships. You know, sometimes you see her break down because she gets so frustrated with it all, and then she rises above. Or does she? I, I like to think that she rises, <laughs> but I also like to think that maybe there is there is some value for her in, in her different relationships with these various hopeless men. <laughs> I called the actor guy hopeless in the Q&A and, and Clarity quickly agreed with that. <laughs> so I like to think that was, she had different ideas for the different guys and that one was like the hopeless guy who just cannot get out of his, his head for a second and just dithers, dithers and, and is so inside himself that he can't even read someone else's potential interest in him, yes. much less ask them any questions about them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely... Uh, going through a lot of experiences yeah and I mean it's um I, I don't want to say typical but it is a very Denisian uh use of el- ellipses where you see her sort of start a relationship maybe mm. with a guy and then it's over and you don't know why it's over yeah and it's very fluid she is very peripatetic where she is just sort of going from one thing to the next to the next and then maybe taking a few steps back yeah. realizing why she left it there and then moving ahead and it's um it, it the the movie itself really reminded me of this part in the love witch and it's not an exact quote but a character says something along the lines of in western society we're taught that the the hyper rational white male is the perfect thing to aspire to and that is mm-hmm. the model for all behavior and then this is very much showing the the opposite of that, where there's this woman who uh, is very emotional, um, seemingly unrational, but in a way that is not 
a pejorative the way you would think of someone being rational or someone who is guided by their emotions. It's sort of without that judgment. It's just sort of showing her going through these different things. Yeah. I mean, that was what I was trying to get at when I was, when I, my opening gambit with, with uh, Claire Denis and, and was ask that uh, now I, now since I have this chance to actually say things better a second time, <laughs> I mean, I was, I, I think you're saying it better than, than, than I, I, I was, but I, I, I think part of it is almost that she, she is, she's very thoughtful and it's yes. almost like she's too, not too thoughtful, but she's so thoughtful about, the other person understanding the other person yes that she it can leave herself out of it mm-hmm. um, i mean it doesn't entirely leave herself out of it because her thoughtfulness is part of who she is right but like with the actor you know she's she's trying to understand his like that he's leaving his wife but she doesn't know yet is it he's even looking, true yeah right yeah is she he just testing things out or even with the banker she just kind of stands they're listening to him and watching him, uh, you know, as he continues to get just be worse and worse. You know, I mean, the ultimate is at the ending when she's with the fortune teller, yes. played by Gerard Depardieu, uh, where she's, I mean, the idea that she should take anything this guy t- says seriously. I guess she's she's there to listen to him, yeah. but it's just kind of the culmination of all these these examples of where, um, you know, she's kind of taking what other people say and running with it. So she's really responsive in that sense. But again, it's it leaves herself out. Yeah. I mean, the ending, it's hard for me not to sort of blow the ending, let's oh, say. I think everyone should know the ending because I think it's a huge attraction. <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think it is. I mean, for me, you could almost understand the whole movie as like the setup to this punchline of him. And, you know, Gerard Depardieu, you see him break up with this much younger woman get out of a car, go into his office, let's say his right. mis- mystical uh, wood paneled office and then meet <laughs> with Juliette Binoche. And he's so clearly hitting on her, but in a way right. shrouded in this like mystical guidance stuff, yeah. like this new age thing. Yeah. And she, you can't tell if she's just sort of throwing it back at him right. to you know, humor him right. or if she's actually buying it. And I mean, I think that you know the whole movie it, and part of what it's commenting upon is like this illusion of true love and like where can you find it and you can even feel it in the use of at last by Etta James which sort of mm-hmm. threaded throughout this and then you come across this guy this whale of a man who is peddling this whole other type of fallacy the right. mystical uh, mysticism fallacy and it's like well which one is worse I mean they're both right. you know the sort of the way in which women are controlled in society with this promise of like love is the most important thing it doesn't matter unless you're in love and someone loves you and like it's hard to talk about this movie because there is so much going on in yeah. such economical ways and yeah. it can seem like nothing is going on when in actuality it's there's yeah. a, a huge amount yeah yeah i mean that uh, that's that kind of you know, that kind of reminds me of some people who've uh, you know brushed off the movie a little i think mm. uh, here and there i mean it's it's gotten a lot of good press but there were also people who were less impressed by it but yeah it is economical and and you you were talking earlier about the use of ellipses and and that's another interesting thing that came up in the talk that she she described it as like putting bricks one after another mm-hmm. in a series. Mm-hmm. So, you know, compared to some of her other movies, it maybe is a little more um, linear, but the the art is in 
how she's connecting it with this, this space between. Right. Um, and so it's, it, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, she's dating one guy one day and then the next guy's the next day and the next guy's the next day. It's not entirely clear what the time frame is. But the amazing skill there is that you're so completely, you know, with her and in her mind and heart for all of that period. But it doesn't make it like it's some sort of series of pratfalls or something. No. Um, and that's that's really interesting. And that's why I, I'm sorry to keep referencing the talk, but it's mostly because she had interesting things to say. But um, how, how about I talk about another movie of hers, let's say, Friday Night. Yes. Which is another movie which shows her Claire Denis genius with... Um, with yeah movie time i don't know what you want to call mm-hmm. it you know i mean yeah that literally because it's really just you know really basically a night with a lot of traffic and yet it becomes this this continuous emotional space this emotional continuum that, that you're in mm-hmm. um and it's 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 beautiful that she's been able to do it with this film too but friday night i guess obviously again because it's with relationships it's also what came to mind i don't know it's definitely one of my absolute favorites of, of hers i don't know about you yeah the Claire Denis movie that is always closest in my mind is the one that I have seen the most recently. Uh-huh, so this is yeah. weighing heavily on me, but so is yeah. Bastards, because I'm one of the people who really love the Bastards. I like Bastards, too. It's a hard movie to say I love because yes. it's so, there's, <laughs> cause there's so much, yeah, awfulness in it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's also having those two movies side by side kind of shows... Yeah how useless it is to say that, oh, you you did a movie about this, you did a movie about like <laughs> pedophilia and then you felt like you would do a movie. I'm, I'm sure it's not like that. No, 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 yeah. no. And now she's going to have a um, hot science fiction movie right. coming up. That's so, right. so it's yeah, the, the, the way in which she sort of flawlessly moves between these genres. And then like, again, it's like, there are moments of this that do almost feel like a romantic comedy, you get to see those moments of kooky exasperation. Right. Like I think of um, when they go to the country, she goes to, for a weekend in the country with some people and then she just starts <laughs> screaming at them. <laughs> and it's really yeah. one of my favorite parts of the movie because you know, it's like you do get ground down by this sort of yeah. endless cycle of like trying to figure out Diff- these very different men's needs and like thinking about like well how can I help this person how can I understand them and give them the fair treatment and then just like oh shut up you know she just yeah. doesn't want to give her friends that type yeah. of energy almost yeah and and, and it also that scene where they're walking the countryside and everyone's complimenting the landscape and wondering <laughs> if they're seeing it as peasants might have seen it or <laughs> I mean it, it's it's I mean it's, it's a I mean, it also must just be a parody of any French movie where people are like pontificating in, yes, in, yes. in the countryside. And then, <laughs> then yeah, and then Julie Pinoche with a really like perfectly timed, mm-hmm. perfect comic timing too, just, you know, puts the, puts a stop to all of that. <laughs> but, but, but what I was gonna say is that that also served to like flesh her out as a character. Yeah. So she's not just, uh, not just like, uh, you know, some surrogate character, you know, female character we're just watching and can like feel cathartic through. This is, I feel like her kind of response as like, let's say an artist, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with people who are trying to own all the sensation and beauty around them. Yes, you yes. Know? And, and she just is not, <laughs> is not having that. And, yeah. and it's, it's, yeah, it's a great scene. And as you say, it's a scene where she can kind of take some control o- over things and just say this is just too much (laughs) Um, yeah Yeah. i mean it's also interesting to see these other facets of her life and how you know this turmoil within her or sort of this 
search, uh, Andrew Chan puts it in its feature as um, her fear of leaving any stone unturned, which I think is a perfect way to yeah. say that. You yeah. know, you see how it seeps into other parts of her life and maybe... Again, it, it's not saying that this person is totally misguided, but you see how it this turmoil affects other parts of her life, like when she's meeting with this other artist and it's like, did my ex-husband... Oh, God. Like, that, that whole yeah. thing is, like, yeah. very incredible. Um, but then you also... There's a lot of her life that you don't see. You don't really see her daughter. You don't really see right. her complete a painting. And these uses of ellipses where it's just sort of like, well, we understand the scope of what this film is about. Right. And it's very limited in that sense. But you still have this very expansive sense of who she is in a way that's just terrific. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. It's, It's like they don't feel like they have to show her standing looking proud over a painting she completed. Yes. Or, you know, having a teary heart to heart with with her daughter or something. Again, I think that's really to the to Julie Pinochet's credit. She has this scene where she runs over to the car as her daughter's driving away. Even mm-hmm. in that just one scene, you see her smile, I think, for the first time in, in that sort of patch of the film. Yeah. And, and that just communicates a lot. And yeah, you don't have the impulse to, to judge her for, for that. But the movie teases you at some times with the, with the prospect that it might actually be teasing people inviting you to tease her or something right and and one scene that comes to mind uh, and this is something i think andrew really gets it well is that the movie has this sometimes opaqueness about what it really is telling you to feel or think about the character um the scene in the in the club Mm, yes and i mean i i guess i was a little surprised by audience reaction when i was watching for a second time which is that you know a guy comes over and you know his point of view because she does a point of view shot where yeah, yeah. the guy looks at her cleavage. So you know where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's set up because let's say he doesn't have like traditional, you know, whatever, leading man looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I definitely got the sense of the audience that they were set up to think like, oh, this creep yeah. she's going to have to put up with. And instead, you know, you know, the scene turns into something totally different. We're all, you know, clearly what she's feeling the most is the dance with him and, and, the, and the beauty of that. And yeah, that's just a scene that kind of changed your expectations and has a wonderfully understated way of ending where she sits down and at her side is her like, you know, just, ugh, I hate that guy. The, the friend who later tries, anyway won't give that away but but has just been trying to pick her up yeah and 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 he's looking he's looking at her and she just says he dances well (laughs) (laughs) that's that's all they need the explanation in the scene yeah no it is it is sort of like the games that we play with different relationships in our lives and that even though she seems so out of control she definitely knows exactly what to say at the right moment like Uh you just said like that's just such a perfect sort of like you just talked about her being out of control and 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 before you said she, you know talked about train to train wreck and, and <laughs> i i mean i i don't know could you talk more about that because i i kind of wonder you know watching the movie how how people feel ab- about it that you know yeah things are kind of all over the place a bit <laughs> but it but i mean like for example not to comp- I, I can't believe i'm about to compare this to train wreck <laughs> at all but just that even the title of that movie bothered me, you know. Yeah, it should. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, but it's interesting to hear you use it now in yeah. reference to this. I mean, clearly, Trainwreck, part of the joke of the title is that 
when you're just sort of like a screwed up woman of a certain age, you refer to yourself as like a giant mess, right? And you uh-huh. think of yourself as a big mess, and you, but you're also embracing being a big mess because theoretically, if you wanted to change, you could. And so this is clearly, you know, Isabel is someone who has done her time as a wife. She's done her time being responsible. Now she uh, just wants to unturn every stone, let's uh-huh, say. And she right. just wants to sort of like, yeah. indulge in this and, and you know you see that in like just small moments flirting with the cab driver on her way home that she's just in a time of her life where she just wants to enjoy the sensuality of just small mm. exchanges and that's not to say that you can't do that when you're married or in a you know monogamous relationship but clearly she's um she's after something a different flavor let's say than what she's mm. had before and that's again that's sort of with where the um uh, peripateticness comes into play yeah yeah, yeah. And, i mean and it's interesting what spin you, you could put on put on it because it's also possible to describe her the the uh, misadventures as fearlessness yes that she's she's fearlessly keeps plunging and that's also something that and, mm-hmm. andrew writes about too mm-hmm. fearlessly each time is just throwing herself into yeah <laughs> into you know it and yeah I don't know. That's well, also beautiful. What's great about this film is that it refuses that sort of simple reading and or at least gives you space to sort of rethink like what is bad behavior? What is irresponsible? <laughs> right. What does it actually mean to be irresponsible? Right. Is actually like trying to do your best irresponsible because she's putting so much of her into it. Um Yeah. But I wanted to ask there's a Roland Barth text that was sort of influential on this, but for me and I believe she said this in interviews, like Denis is so tied up with Faulkner and sort of like this um, polyphonic voice, you, will, mm-hmm. you might want to say. So I guess, um, right. would you would you comment on that? Uh, as your representative, as clearly as, as a, your representative. As a, as a representative of the Faulkner estate, yes. Yes, as a Faulkner estate. Um, well, I mean, I think it's, it is interesting... When when the movie was being made, it was initially reported that it was based on that or adapted from that. But then um, Claire Denis kind of uh, clarified that that really wasn't the case. It was kind of a jumping off point at one point, and the idea of of it being very fragmentary is also part of it. But that ultimately, it's really more a product of what she wrote with this friend of hers, who's a novelist, Christine Ango Anjo Thicuan. <laughs> um, so as a text. I think yeah, you're you're right. Maybe there there are other influences in there, but I mean, The Intruder was also a work that came out of a philosophical source. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm blanking on it, but it, it was a philosopher's um, philosopher's memoir of after he had a heart transplant and mm-hmm. and how that made him feel or some sort of heart operation. Um, so, and I think in this case it was. I wonder if I don't know if it's in both cases, but the text was suggested to her, so someone knew how Claire Denise, <laughs> you know, mind worked a little bit. Um, you know, being able to go from something very abstract to something very, you know, sensual and, and immediate, maybe less Bart, more I don't know, Nancy Myers. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to be annoying. Um, I mean, there are you? shades of Hong Sang Soo in there. Too. Hong Sang Soo, sure, and 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 we have her on record as being a huge simpatico spirit with Hong Sang Soo. We had a feature on Hong Sang Soo that starts out with a quote from Claire Denis about Hong Sang Soo. Um, yeah, there there is there is something like that in in there, definitely. Um, 
there was one other thing. I mean, the 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 discourses on love, it is like like it in in, in a way in that. I mean, if you want to talk about being a mess, that that like that that whole thing is like written, like it's so raw. I I almost find it hard to 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 read just because because he's he's also so analytical but so raw that it's just like he's having these huge reactions and confessions while also analyzing it from thirty different ways, mm. and it's 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 like it's like overwhelming. It's, you know, it's like sticking your head in a wind tunnel. You just like <laughs> sunlit, yeah. yeah, and so. I mean, in, in terms of like bearing, bearing all, let's say, soul bearing, um, you know, maybe there's something of that. But, you know, maybe, maybe Claire Denis doesn't, you know, she doesn't, doesn't need a, a text to, to, to have a soul bearing. Yeah, I don't know, you'd call her movies reserved, um, you know, or she's so... Uh, controlled, control. maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, but it is, yeah, it is interesting. But honest. Controlled, but honest. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's another interesting word for... Um, in terms of how characters are portrayed and, and emotions. Yeah, because, I mean, even thinking about the banker in the scene, it's unclear if he's just trying to be the worst to just get at her, to <laughs> right. needle her, That's or true. if this is his true form. Yeah, You cannot actually tell. <laughs> yeah, it makes me think of some terrible supervillain. Uh-huh. Is this his true form? <laughs> uh, yeah, right. And, and and yeah, clearly it seems like his, his life must be a, a lot of, like, I don't know, screwing with people, screwing over people. Yes, yeah. And yeah. And and I just fun to note because I don't always know that people notice this. It's that the banker is played by Xavier Beauvoir. Yes. Whose new movie is The Guardians, which yes. is this very like kind of, you know, sort of staid drama, but very powerful drama. Not necessarily my cup of tea, but very respectable drama about a World War One f- farm. Um, and the you know strong women on the farm uh, dealing with the chaos and catastrophe that's that's occurring just you know uh, in the rest of the country and yeah but here he just plays a jerk <laughs> <laughs> um, he's yeah he's always pretty interesting when he gets when he gets used mm-hmm. but it is kind of funny <laughs> to think of this filmmaker playing this character but no she's amazing what's that but no she's amazing but no she's amazing um, as if she has any other way of being. Well, let's except just say, for Dan in real life. Let's, let's just say, say she starred in the wrong chocolat. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's amazing. The Agnes uh, Goddard, the, the the DP. You know, it's not like she takes this as like a, a holiday. Mm. Um, you know, it's, you know, Benoche looks wonderful, and there's you know even very fine-tuned small things happening in one scene to the next the scene with the actor um i just noticed how for most of the scene and benoche is is listening to him um it's kind of this frontal shot and then just about when she tunes off it's sort of it's they they use a different angle and sort of (laughs) askew a little um and you can it's it's i don't know it's something small but it's just how she's sort of tuning off she's tuning out she's sort of not she's skeptical i think it's at the point where yeah he's saying you know i want to go in the unknown you know i don't know it's a um so yeah it's it is more great lensing by (laughs) agnes godard um yeah and i mean it is interesting to you know considering the conventions the visual conventions of the romantic comedy which is like extremely bright overlit basically like it's always 12 noon in all of these spaces and here you know you got to see maybe something more um 
adult, <laughs> maybe yeah. a little bit more emotionally mature. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and you know, I don't know. I started to notice maybe I started to overread things, but I always found like there were stares behind them. Mm. Like she's she's always somehow in transition when she's in the bathroom, when she's meeting the actor in that weird stage space, and I don't know. There was some other thing. But you just start noticing these little things. Um, but also what you're saying is speaking of like romantic comedy conventions, those are often really driven by the editing too. the editing is given this rhythm that kind of tends to box people in and make it put them in service of some sort of joke. Um, and that's not really not really happening here. You don't. Yeah, it's a much more thoughtful rhythm. There are different decisions behind cuts. And of course, you'll never have the kind of cut you have to Gerard Depardieu oh, coming yes. full circle. Um, which is that's that's like the moment where if you were like, oh, am I really? This is really a clarity movie. You're like, yep, that's <laughs> that. She would only she, only she would 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 think of that. Yeah. Uh, um, it's uh, yeah. That's just kind of like a stroke of stroke of genius mm-hmm. to cut out and 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 go to him. It's those sort of leaps that make her work so so special, and and here it's even more precious because there's not a lot of that going on in the in the in the rest of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hail, all hail, cleared me. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's much more we could say. Yes. But before we close, it would be great if we both talked about a film that we've seen recently that oh, we wow. liked. I will talk very briefly about An Autumn Afternoon by Ozu. Um, I was just feeling, uh, I was just missing stuff that used to be around that isn't around anymore. So I thought... I'm going to make myself feel even worse, maybe a little better, by watching this incredible uh-huh. Ozu film. Yeah. Uh, the colors, uh, not just red, are incredible. Um, the acting is incredible. Everything about that movie is um, so good. And, yeah, you can never go wrong with an Ozu. I saw two things right back to back, and it's almost arbitrary which one I, well, which one I pick. Uh, what I saw... Last Men in Aleppo. Oh, yes. Uh, and for some reason, immediately thereafter, I watched A Woman's Devotion, uh, mm. which is a Paul Henride 50s film noir. I mean, more like amnesia film. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess if there's a rubble film, there can just be like an amnesia film. And and it has that kind of, I don't know if it's that, that it's a, you know, a film noir premise in, in really like gorgeous color or what. But it just has a seedy feel to it. Like mm-hmm. it's 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 way too bright. Uh, it just everything feels. You it's know, like a rom com from the nineties. Yeah, like a rom com. <laughs> right, you stepped out into rom com from the nineties, and uh, people are being killed. Yes, it's like it's like that. Um, but yeah, basically the story is um, Ralph Meeker plays a, a World War Two vet. I guess this is World War Two vet. I'm not sure. Let's just call him a war vet. Uh, and he, you know, he has PTSD, mm-hmm. uh, or, or I think in the movie they call it some form of shock. And so he has these periods where if he hears a loud noise, mm-hmm. he's triggered and then may or may not be killing people. Oh. So the whole movie is about kind of un, un figuring that out. Uh, the awkwardness is that he's on an extended honeymoon with his wife. And so <laughs> they are having a wonderful time, except... It's trouble every day. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> trouble every day, exactly. It's... <laughs> yeah, so they, she has to figure out whether she's going to have 
a woman's devotion mm. or <laughs> or not live in a weird 50s <laughs> you know um the expectation uh of, of loyalty and i it's ridiculous i talked so much about this kind of not great movie <laughs> last minute aleppo uh you you know i'd seen i needed to see it again and it was really painful and yeah. it's, it's a great movie maybe that's why i needed to watch an escapist movie afterwards mm-hmm. but that's a all i mean all the syrian documentaries are pretty rough um it's de- this but, one's but, particularly but devastating. that one is particularly devastating and i think because it's more bit more put together and 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 more artistically shot you mm-hmm. invest more into it and you feel it more there are a lot of syrian docs that I th- about the conflict that are really con- concertedly fragmentary mm. and you get what they're doing um but they haven't stuck as much as as, as this one has but you know there's an academy award nomination you mm-hmm. can stand behind so mm. oh god okay so we've gone from <laughs> now we've gone to my like dvd train wreck no 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 <laughs> anyway there you have it folks awards award season prognos- prognostications several months late yeah exactly you know who i think is up for an award What's, who's hot that? hot I think Kim Jong-un is going to go all the way. Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> no. That's what I'm calling. He's getting the gold. Oh, but whatever it is made out of. <laughs> God, speaking of <laughs> atrocities by a strong man. Yeah. Anyway, let the sun shine in. In Opening, theaters now. Yeah, it's all there. Go get it. Go get it. And now enough of us. Here is Claire Denis. Thank you so much and welcome. Thank you. <laughs> This is probably the third or fourth time that I've, I've seen the film. And I, I think what struck me this time is, is that uh, it's almost as if Isabel is too good a listener. Because she gets caught up in everyone else's stories and everyone else's ideas of what, what she should be, what, what they're doing. Do you agree with that? Or? I think she has the, the weakness of a very strong woman, you know. She's strong with herself, strong with her life. She, she's bold. And because of that, she, she's very fragile, you know. So she, the last person talking could convince her. And it's touching, I think. Yeah, no, it's I mean, I'm not speaking about the film, but I think of this kind of, uh, person who have, um, was solid, you know, but in the same time, very fragile. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost as if the, the, the key scene is when she's talking to, uh, to her, her, you know, her friend in the bathroom and she goes through this whole run of emotions, you know, at one point she's saying, I thought my life was extraordinary. And then the next day I realized it wasn't, it was terrible. Yeah. You know, she's just, she's just so present in, in the moment. Let's speak about Juliette. Yeah. Juliette is, is, a uh, is, um, is present in films because she's um, she's not passive. She's entering the film, you know, like a truck, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she's not going to let it go. You know, she's present all the time. And when I told her that the rest of the scene was to go downstairs in the toilet, not to stay in, in the main floor restaurant. She, she understood, of course, why I, 
I suggest that location because it's the kind of place where you almost use the, the, the location as an accident to be able to speak very openly about your, yourself in a sort of privacy of those toilets. But that it was on location and the real toilet of the place, and it was very small. And for two actresses and the camera and the sound, we were squeezed in and it was very intense and Juliet was so great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, easy to do a sequence shot with her because mm. she, first of all, she likes it and she is able to capture different rhythm. No, you can, you can, there's such a distinct rhythm to each of her, you know, her, her, her scenes with the different men, you know, yeah. uh, like with the actor at, at, at the bar, you know, she's, there's very much, you can feel her just listening and he's just going on and on and on and on. I mean, he's kind of hopeless, isn't he? It's hopeless. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's in loop. But yeah. in a way, all, all those character are in loops, mm. you know, even, the last one at the end. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, is is the worst. Is you can't <laughs> stop. You can't stop him. Yeah. On and on. I mean, it's like birds singing. They just keep singing the same yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the film is made of thirty-four blocks, and like bricks. You know, mm. I explained to Juliette that she had not to think about the the film was built with those blocks and she has not to think about and the next day and a, a month later and things like that. I wanted her to forget what is in between the blocks, the, the sort of time past or chronological order to have a time for each block. So I think this was very helpful for all of us. Yeah. And and when you uh, when you you know talked to her for when you first talked to her about the project, did you did you present it as something that's something comedic or 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 is that is that just something that kind of comes comes out in it? Because it's it, it definitely there are these moments where there's these really great moments of comic timing, you know. But yeah. No, I was I must say that it's weird to admit that, but I when I first spoke to the producer. He, he, he wanted me, he, he thought I could adapt some fragments of uh, Roland Barthes. And I said, no, we are going to write our own fragments. And I said, because if I, to be honest with you, for me, uh, those fragments of Roland Barthes or ours, uh, for me, there is only one title possible. It's Agony. Because it's <laughs> love... It's agony. Yeah. So we wrote with that word agony. And, but each time Christine, we were working in a, in a cafe. It was our method and it was very light. And I was enjoying each new scene because then I would ask Christine to read it loud to me. And I was laughing, laughing, laughing all the time, although I was aware it was a tragedy, you know. But 
I couldn't stop laughing because <laughs> there is such a distance in this um, uh, hypnotic uh, rhythm of words, you know. So it creates a sort of um, a, a rhythm, a, a distant rhythm. So it's like, oh, oh, this song, I've heard it before, you know. Oh, no, not this, you know. Yeah. All these little blocks you, you, you recognize. And I thought only Christine and I are going to, to laugh about it. But then on the set, and, and Juliette at the beginning, when she was learning the, the, her line, she, she told me, wow, it's really, it's uh, hard. It's very hard. And then, but on set, I don't know. It's probably because I felt like that. We kept laughing. Even the crew, we were laughing. And then I went to the editing room, everything. I, I thought it was only my own point of view that was making it a comedy. And then when the first screening took place in Cannes, the audience was laughing loud and the crew, some, some of the crew, Juliette, some of the actors and Christine were there, we were there the producer and we were, wow. <laughs> for once yeah. people are laughing. Yeah. At my films, <laughs> That's right. won't happen again. Right. I, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 different than the end of of, ba of bastards for yourself. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Or the intruder. Or the intruder. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the the ending of this film, I just, I mean, I have to keep from laughing when I when I watch it, just to see him keeping on circling and circling yeah. and circling, and and then the credits roll. Looping around her like a little yeah. plane. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <That's> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, it's. I, I, th I think you, you know, that's really one of my favorite endings. Period, and 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 uh, you know, the same thing. I think you must be kind of a master of endings between this and the ending of Botrevai, You know, with the dance at the end of the. Yeah. It's almost as if you know. Yeah, I I thought um, by asking Gérard Depardieu to do this part, it was a very happy moment because, of course. Everybody can recognize Gérard Depardieu, but it's also a thick character because in the scene before, you saw the real man in a car with a woman who tell him it's between you and me, it's finished. So, and, and then he is having, um, with Juliette, he's acting, you know? Mm, yeah. And he's trying to capture her. So I thought it was great to have him and, and I thought I knew, I knew I was sure he would understand the comical sense of his presence back to the window in the shade, in the shade at the beginning, his huge body facing yeah. her tiny figure. I really love that little yeah placement 
Yeah. Yeah, and and saying this kind of pseudo mystical <laughs> language is kind of uh, ridiculous. I mean, he's also so interesting in this film. The way you introduce him, you know, the, the way you get to him in the car. Yeah. Um, I mean, that by one scream by a scream. Yeah, and by yeah. by this cut that's like the most most dramatic cut in the whole movie in a way. Yeah. You know, it's even more hard when Juliet is with the bank uh, guy is saying it's finished it's on the phone but to be in a car with someone a woman you've been with who tell you no really i think it's not going to work i think it's better i, I like you but really no it's so hard you yeah. know yeah you can't escape it's a very close space and i wanted that, that little scene because i wanted him to be more to be more attractive as this in this character of the clairvoyant, as someone who is also in pain. Right. Yeah. He he knows what he speaks of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go to the audience. I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat the question so everyone can hear. Uh, the uh, question is whether uh, Claire Denis discussed with with the cast whether true love exists and uh, whether destiny was related to that. The cast and the writer. And the writer. I, I, sorry. I yeah. mean, for the writer and me, it was. Um, we know each other well, and I think it was a something we knew about each other. Those, you know, it was not something we were discovering. You know, it's it's um, no, it was the plan. You know, and do I have to discuss that? I think film for me, it's not a discussion with cast and writer. First of all, it's writing a script with a sort of, um, I am writing with someone. It's a sort of, um, collusion of two spirits, you know, and to create, um, a kind of narration that give space for emotion or, you know, feelings. But with the cast, I, I hate that word, the cast. For me, they are, Actors, actresses, you know, they are my companions. I, I never consider the cast, you know. This does not exist for me. And I don't say that because I know the word, but I never use it because I think it's, it's put a distance. Those people, I, all those actors are my friends. I like them. I've been choosing them with is love and friendly, you know, so I don't, I do not discuss. I discuss for me, it's losing time. We are in, in the work, you know, we are inside. So there is no discussion. We don't discuss about, do you think true love exists? <laughs> Maybe not, but maybe we do hope sometimes, you know. That's human nature. You don't need to discuss that. You all know. Or or maybe you don't, but I'm sure you do. <clears throat> there's there's hope. Another question. Are there in the back? Yeah. 
the the question is about the process, and 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 she's she, the audience member has read that uh, you know you don't shoot that many takes, and then you find the movie in the editing, and whether that's true or not, or and wh whether the method on this film differed from usually. Oh, not at all. I I had a, a short schedule, and because of um, short budget, you know, and. I made few takes because I I never with those people the the text was very solid so there was no need for more takes and we edit in 3 weeks because those blocks were there you know no very I don't say very easily because it's never very easy you know I like uh, when I was in New Orleans, the name of New Orleans is the big easy. <laughs> but to make a film even in a sh on sh uh, no, fast three weeks editing, five weeks shooting, it, it's not the big easy. It's the big uneasy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But of course this film was so built like... Um, like I say, like a wall, you know? So I knew which scene, the beginning, the opening is with the the banker and the end, so. You just put one, one, one in front of the other. Yeah. There is a sort of, um, the variation is important from the banker to the end, you know? Um, well, I think that's that's all the, the time we have, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, all uh, right. thank you so much, it's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> You've been listening to the Film Comment Podcast, produced by Violet Luca and Nicholas Rippold, with music by Greg Anji. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comment is a bi-monthly magazine published by the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has featured in-depth reviews, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomet.com slash subscribe to purchase a digital or print subscription to the magazine, or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, and Kindle at filmcomet.com slash app.